You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. Episode, episode 200. We have the Stooges Funhouse. In the room, I have Rob, Hello. Ben, Hello. and John. Yay! Funhouse is a second studio album by American rock band The Stooges. It was released on the July 7th, 1970 on Electra Records. The producer was Don Gallucci. And the genre is hard rock, proto-punk, avant-rock, and punk rock. And from All Music Review, Mark Deming, The Stooges' first album was produced by a classically trained composer. Their second was supervised by the former keyboard player with the Kingsmen. And if that didn't make all the difference, it is at least indicates why Funhouse was a step in the right direction. Producer John Gallucci took the approach that the Stooges were a powerhouse live band and their best bet was to recreate the band's live set with as little fuss as possible. As a result, the production on Funhouse sound is smeary and bleeds all over the place, but it packs the low-tech wallop of a concert pumped through a big PA, bursting with energy and immediacy. The Stooges were also a much stronger band this time out. Ron Ashton's blazing minimalist guitar gained little in the way of technique since the debut, but his confidence had grown by a quantum leap as he summoned forth the sounds that would make him the hero of pro-punk guitars everywhere. And the brutal pound of drummer Scott Ashton and bassist David Alexander had grown to heavyweight championship status. Funhouse is where Iggy Pop's mad genius first reached its full flower, what was a sneer on the band's first debut had grown into the roar of a caged animal desperate for release. Funhouse is the ideal document of the Stooges at their raw, sweaty, howling peak. All right, what do we think of Funhouse? That's a good yeah. record. Yeah. That's a real good record. Yeah. This yeah. is a very good record. <laughs> I kind of was a little hard on the first one. Um, As well you should have been. Yeah, going back and listening to it, some of the wah-wah kind of just, didn't hit with me, and this one is a full-on uh, milestone. Yeah, Straight-up rocker. In, in like, rock and roll, in my opinion. Well, I think they really found the sound on this one. I mean, yeah. on the first one, you know, it, it sounds almost like Iggy's trying to do a little bit of a, a Jim Morrison, trying to figure out how to get into that, and here he's just opening full Yeah, up. sort of like the Rolling Stones, like, doors, like, how, how can we present ourselves, keep in the rock blues, and this is just, like, full ahead. <laughs> yeah. Howling and yipping and making some weird ass squonks and squelches with his mouth face. Yeah, I didn't know until this week when I was reading up that uh, that the former keyboardist of the Kingsman recorded this, and it, it's so fitting. Like, who, who should record this record? Oh, probably the guy slamming on the piano during Louie Louie. Yeah, <laughs> sure. 
And uh, I was reading his, uh, his recording techniques. He, he he tried to capture it a few different ways because he knew it was going to be, it was kind of going to be its own beast because he saw the band play live. He was like, okay, they've got something going on, but how do we capture th- this, you know? Uh, so his plan was to book time in the studio and devote each day to just a different song and like and just have them play that song over and over and over again and they just take the best take from that day, you know? So he went in and he had everything... Uh, they were recording it live, but they had everything baffled and isolated. Uh, and they do it like, you know, like you would make a professional record. And after the first day, they listened back, and uh, apparently the band just hated the way it sounded. And uh, so Gallucci cleared everything out of the studio except the necessary stuff, made it as much like a, a stage as he could. And the band just set up like they'd be playing a concert... And he just mic'd them. So, like, the, the amps are right next to each other. Uh, the bass amps rattle in the snare drum. Uh, and it's awesome. Yeah. It, it sounds it sounds great. It sounds raw. Yeah. And it's supposed to. Yeah. I would say this this might be one of the first times. I mean, I know that we got into it with uh, the Sonics and different bands like that that were doing it out of necessity. But this is one time where I feel like they got into the studio and they were like, no. We need to make it like we were in a garage. Yeah. Like it's this is way too clean for us. Like we need to we definitely need to keep that. Apparently Iggy even recorded his vocals just with a handheld mic. Like he wasn't using like a mic stand and he's just rolling around with the mic. You know? yeah. Which is surprising. Uh I mean, obviously we have uh this is like a remastered version, mm-hmm. but I- I'm surprised that they got like it sounds as good as it kind of does with that like lo-fi quality. At, at least it, it still uh, uh, sounds good. I yep. did notice though during different songs, like some of them, the levels are a little different. Like mm-hmm. it's not quite as high, or some of them like are brought up. Yeah, TBI Inter- sounds like it's kind of recorded a little quiet on the. Yeah, which is strange. Is it's such like an aggressive a, song, but like I, I I was streaming it on Spotify. I I lost my old CD of this at some point in my 20s. So I don't know, like, I don't know what version I'm listening to. Like, I don't know if if this is yeah, like this a is, re, reissue, this remaster is just like a re, This is just like a remaster. Um, but at the same time, it's, you know, I, I don't know why why the decision was, was made to not, you know, sort of normalize the levels, like yeah. bring those levels up. But maybe it's just how, how they wanted it. Well, didn't Iggy go back and like actually remaster all of this shit? Himself, they definitely—he he at least did raw power. Raw yeah. power—that's yeah. the—that's the big one. But dang, this is like, this is a full-on assault to to music, and I I sort of like that MC Five record. I think they could have benefited f- from something like this. MC Five—they just recorded it live because they're like, yeah, we're gonna do it live, and it's gonna sound great because we're a great live band. But at the same time, I don't think they captured. Th- what right. what this is capturing this mm-hmm. is capturing something in a in a way that sounds live but at the same time is is more than that because it's it's in a controlled it's environment in a, yeah it's in an environment where you can make sure that the mics are on they are like next to an amp and do a second take yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> also true yeah, yeah. Oh, look out Yeah. <laughs> 
anybody think that they kind of uh, stole a few ideas from MC5? Oh, I think, uh, that, 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 I mean, that second pra- song is absolutely yeah. you kick out the jams. Yeah. <laughs> the is definitely they're kick. practically neighbors. Yeah, cool. They they're they're sharing practice spaces. And <laughs> I mean, you're going to influence each other. That's right. Yeah. It's, uh, throughout the the walls and osmosis. Yeah. Yeah, Detroit. Detroit's bringing the rock. Mm-hmm. I did also write down: Is this? Is this like the first time that we have like a saxophone like integrated within rock that is like a power like sonics? It's like a oh that's right yeah you're right mm-hmm. I totally just escaped my brain <laughs> yeah 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 sonics first but I'm sure uh, Stu just picked up on that yeah because that that and is... if they hadn't yet uh, Don Gallucci yeah the Sonics neighbor yeah <laughs> would have would have made sure that that wasn't missed. Hmm. Uh, speaking of uh, the saxophone, uh, music critic Greg Cott from uh, Sound Opinions, uh, he called this a punk jazz opus, and I thought that was <laughs> kind of cool. I mean, in like in Dirt and like Funhouse and LA Blues, they get out there. LA That's Blues true. gets way out there. Yeah. That's true. They do. I mean, this is the template for a lot of that like no wave New York experimental stuff stuff too. That's going to come a lot later. Sonic Youth and all those mm-hmm. people where it's just... Uh, sort of like an almost anarchy within a within a context of a of a band. Plus, they're a wild band. I mean, Iggy was doing shit that people weren't doing. It's rolling around on glass and kind covering of, himself in yeah, peanut butter and strung out <laughs> a bit of the time, letting the dogs lick it off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's, you don't waste good peanut butter. What's this? Uh, He's what's, not a monster. What does this record clock in at? Uh, the time. Yeah. Uh, it's a uh, half hour, so it's a uh, thirty-six yeah. minutes. Thirty-six minutes. Is that it does, the it, right, it, right amount of time? It doesn't feel like thirty-six minutes. It feels, yeah. it feels a little bit shorter. Uh, the complaints I had for the last record were uh, a little long-winded. Well, um, but it's easy to say that though because those songs were written specifically for the album. They, right. Their set was what twenty-something minutes, and then they had three. Two, three, four filler songs that they had to record for the for the album. So, yeah, yeah it makes complete sense that they, now they have the songs. Yeah, they, they have this. Plus, I feel I, I wanted to read that write up because I think it's 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 totally accurate because they feel so much more at home, more comfortable. I think the same way too. Like the Rolling Stones, the early Stones were a little like don't know exactly w- what direction to go, and and now you know Stooges are like. They got it. Yeah. Got it figured absolutely. out. I just want to hang out and listen to Stooges. Man. <laughs> Solid record. I saw I, I saw the Stooges uh, three or four years ago at, uh, in uh, Long Beach at a, like a festival there. Iggy Pop was throwing himself around the stage like a damn 22-year-old. He, he looks like he was made out of a few baseball mitts sewn together and... He would like he would jump as high as he could into the air and land on his knees, and I'm like oh, 
it was awesome, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, Iggy, watch out. You know? <laughs> I mean, he's got to be 70? No. Maybe? Pushing. Yeah. And like, first Stooges album was 69. Yeah, and he was how old then? Probably 43. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's lived hard. <laughs> It, he he was on. It was a big stage, like a big festival stage, and at one point he took one of the mic stands with like the single cylindrical disc weighted bottom, and he took that thing and he chucked it across the stage, and it, it went all the way across the stage into the wings. I never saw it land. That dude is powerful and tough, and made of leather, and <laughs> and is still wild as hell. Yeah, <laughs> and apparently with a bird now. <laughs> Yeah, just makes me very, very happy. <laughs> uh, Pop did indicate that for this album, he was uh, trying to replicate a lot of like Howlin' Wolf style, like his sort of voice, that sort of like croonery gravel, uh, which makes a lot of sense. You can kind of hear it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, especially on songs like Dirt, you can kind of hear that a little bit. And... Yeah, it's just a really good record. Yeah. Just gonna keep repeating that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't really have much else to say. Uh, what, what's your favorite song on the record, Ben? Uh, I mean, I really like TVI. I like TVI yeah. too. It's a good one. It's uh, good enough to get stolen by uh, Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. They they totally lifted that riff for Sleep Now in the Fire. Yeah. It's good enough to get covered by what is it? You and McGregor in Velvet Goldmine. Mm-hmm. Fake Iggy Pop persona. <laughs> <laughs> Iggy Pop said about uh, him was, uh, "Don't you think he's a little fat?" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Iggy with the shade. (laughs) Although, I will say, I did find a a fun fact about Iggy Pop was the inspiration for Gollum. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's perfect. (laughs) Oh my god, I'll never be able to watch that movie again. What else do you say about this? This is literally... You know what I say? Can't wait for Raw Power. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is just going to go... I bet they're going to keep dialing it in. I will say, too, uh, (laughs) this is one of the first albums that I I felt like I could work out to. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I put on the albums when I'm like working out, and this is like... Yes, finally. Wait, you, can't, here. you can't work out to John Barleycorn. <laughs> You're not trying hard enough. Like Push those plates. Over <laughs> <trouble>. yeah. <laughs> With the medicine ball? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I, I, I tell you what, we'll get into this in a few episodes. Uh, but I, yeah, I tried going for a jog to uh, Sweet Baby James. Oh, buddy. And I immediately regretted <laughs> the decision that had brought me to that moment. Did you sit down and throw your headphones and walk me across the street? I was like, it was funny, I instinctively tried to run faster to, to, to make a goodbye, but then I was like, that's not how this works. <laughs> There's nothing I can do. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would, I would, I would say this is required listening. Um, this oh, is a, this absolutely. is an album people should hear before they die. One hundred percent. Every now and again, we find one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All seven albums you need to hear before. You die. Uh, all right, I do have a, I do have a present for you guys too. Oh, more of this. All right, I, I got this for one dollar, one American dollar, one American. But this is a poster. And it's got scratch-offs. What? For uh, 100 albums, bucket list. And then it's got little scratch-offs for, uh, you know, the, the albums. And it's got That's everything so from, cool. you know, <laughs> Pet Sounds. So we'll scratch them off hey, when we get right. to yeah. them. Yeah, nice. yeah. I wonder how many of them, I wonder how many of them we've covered. Exactly. So. Yeah. That's so cool, dude. Yeah, we'll get that up and I'll like put it up Heck so we can yeah. like. I would buy that for a dollar. As would I. Yeah. <laughs> Robocop rules. Yeah. This poster passes the Robocop test. Robocop test. Yeah. So we're, <laughs> would you buy it? Oh no, we're only twenty percent through this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. yeah. We're twice as far as we were when we were only ten percent through. <laughs> you know, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> how does it, how does it feel to be two hundred? Oh, it, it knowing, feels, knowing it's a fifth. We've only just begun. <laughs> feels like about four hundred. Yeah, it does. Uh, numerous musicians have cited Fun House as their favorite album. Does anybody want to guess? Thurston Moore. Uh, no, but he was he was definitely a Run yeah, DMC's Jack White. Uh, actually, Jack Black. Jack White. Yeah, yeah. good one. Uh, Detroit J- Connection. Joey Ramone, Marky Smith, Nick Cave, Henry Rollins, uh, Buzz Osborne from the Melvins, uh, Steve Albini. So, yeah. Cool. Cool. I would say it's... I feel validated. Yeah. (laughs) I I feel like it's... uh, Yeah, like I said, it's kind of like that watershed. It's sort of like definitely one that that, uh, stands up, even today. Like, Mm -hmm. if somebody put this on today... Uh, I tell you what. came out with this today. I, I feel all right. I'd be excited. <laughs> I yeah. feel all right. Yeah. I feel all right? Yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. all right. Uh, does anybody want to go around the room? or? I mean, I'll, I'll just say you should listen to this record. Yeah. Absolutely positive plus, 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 mm-hmm. plus, plus. Yeah. The sooner the better, listen to this record. If, if you haven't. If you're young and angry... <laughs> Absolutely, get this record. If and you're it, old and angry, if you're young and happy, listen to this record. If if you're old and happy, listen to this record. Remember what it was like to be young and angry. <laughs> <laughs> happy two hundredth anniversary, guys! What do you what do you get someone for the two hundredth anniversary? You get them a scratch off poster. That's nice. exactly right. It's very traditional. <laughs> cake. You don't even like cake. You're a pie man. <laughs> why Why not both? Are they mutually exclusive? A pie cake? And- uh, no, no. I mean, not at the same time. I prefer cake. Pie. I prefer pie, but it doesn't mean that I don't. I prefer pie, but it does not mean that I don't want cake. Yeah, I could say that, but I'm not a big fan of cake. Yeah, not, not a, a fan. But if someone's like, hey, Birch, cake? No. 
Oh, but if I'm like, no, hey, Bert, I would say. Here's the here's the thing is oh, I know look at that sweet. it's much easier it has to be like a good cake mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of really great cakes if you get it from like a store that's it specializes in cakes I'm like thumbs up what love if it's it. homemade uh, depends on how good you are at making making you cake. would turn down a homemade <laughs> cake yes he would <laughs> look at that face. <laughs> You'd also turn down a homemade pie if it sucked. I'll tell you what, I very rarely feel like crave cake or feel like cake. I like crave cake. But I, 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 I work in an office and someone on my floor uh, likes to bake. And every few weeks I hear from behind me, hey, Ben, do you want cake? And I was never thinking about cake, but the answer is always absolutely. Hmm. I do want cake, hmm. turns out. Okay. And why not? It's cake. I think I'm just, I'm not a big sweets guy. Mm. Me neither. I prefer salty, crunchy, but cake is, you know, it's it's right there. It's it's going in your mouth or it's going in the trash. We're talking about the time I bought a bag of Ruffles and on the back of it, uh, the most depressing thing uh, imaginable was there. It was like, so you, you take your Ruffles and you put some chocolate chips on it, and you put it in the microwave, so you have yourself a nice little sa- sa- savory snack by yourself. Oh god! Like oh. just really lonely Ruffles with uh, chocolate on them. Oh man! My- microwaved oh. Ruffles. Hey guys, we are way off course here. <laughs> Big old bag of basement buddies. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna bring it back with uh, your favorite guy, Chris Chris Gell, uh, and how would be his name? His comments on this, which are pretty spot on. Now I regret all the times I've used the uh, use words like power and energy to describe rock and roll because this is is what such rhetoric should have been saved for. Shall I compare it to an atom bomb, a wrecker's ball, a hydroelectric plant? Language wasn't designed for the job. That was that was his retrospective review. What was his original bit? His contemporary <laughs> review. Uh, he said uh, that the Stooges' competent monotony and in, in incorporation of saxophone had intellectual appeal, but questioned but uh, questioned whether it was healthy as a listener for quote for me to to have to be in a certain mood of desperation desperate abandon before I can get on with them musically. He said uh, this Fucking Christ gal. had been based <laughs> on the album's inaccessibility as popular music. And then uh, and then in like eighty one he wrote his retrospective one where I'm like, sorry, what? I was wrong. No punk punk's cool and important, you guys. <laughs> I should have said so from the beginning. I'm forty five years old. <laughs> I deem this punk rock to be Awesome! <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll do it for this one. Uh, next time we'll be talking about James Taylor. Sweet baby James. <gasps> I'm so excited. All right, thanks, y'all.